You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Of Moshe, Motzehem Lamasehem. Now Moshe wrote down all the travels of the Jewish people. Why did we write down the travels of the Jewish people? So the Svazemis has a very interesting take that I think everyone should apply um, from now on to the way that you view these things. We all know that the Jewish people, when we were in Egypt, when we were in Mitzrayim, we sank to a pretty far place. In fact, we're told, this is the Arizal, that we were on the 49th level of impurity. And that's why we could not delay because had we stayed even a short while, even another moment in fact, we would have fallen into the 50th level of impurity and we would have been unable to come out. Suggests the Sfasemis. Elu hamasaos, these stations, hoyubapratis inyan hamemtes shari tuma, were actually the 49 levels that the Jewish people had sunk in in Egypt. Now you'll say there's only 42 stations, but as you know, they're really much more because after Aaron's death, they, had to, they went back and they repeated a number of travels. So, so you end up with 49. In some places he calls it 49, in some places he calls it 50, but really it's the same thing. That each of these stations was the Jewish people experiencing one of the challenges of the impurity that they fell into in Egypt. So when they walked out of Egypt, they left the 49. And then they fixed it with each of the individual stations that they landed in in the wilderness. That is why they had to go through all those steps. He says, If you count the seven stations that they went backwards, that's 49. So it's interesting because you've got this 49. It was 49 days before they arrived at Har Sinai, which sounds like during those 49 days, they were able to fix the 49 levels. But because they messed up afterwards, they had to re-experience it in the form of 49 different places that they went to. Now we know what those 49 levels are. Because we do the same thing every sphere of Omer. What were the 49 levels of impurity that they fell to into Egypt? An impurity of Chesed Shebechesed, and Gevur Shebechesed, and Teferis Shebechesed. Those are the 49 levels of impurity. They're always the 49 levels of impurity, is the blemish in each of those. And each of the places that the Jewish people walked in in the wilderness represented a challenge in each of those areas. Which means if we would know exactly what, I don't know, Netzach Shibetiferes is, we would know what the challenge of that is, then we would know what the challenge that the Jewish people faced in that particular place. So he says, And this represents a real greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. That he repeats to the Jewish people, all the travels of their going, from when they left Egypt, until they came to um, the land. So what Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching the Jewish people 
is how they fixed each of these locations in each of these places. He says, V'chein tzarechlios l'chal ish Yisrael. This is the way it's supposed to be for every Jew. Shnikra mahalech. We are all walking through life. We are all traveling through the wilderness of life. V'tzarech lizgor besof kal madrigosav. And the person has to continue to look back at all, at the, whenever you reach a certain place, as kal asher avar alav miatchalas mahalcho, everything that has transpired in your life from the beginning of your travels. A person has to have a log of their life. A person has to have a log of their life. Now, I, there are very few people who actually do this. The Svasamis is saying that if I were to ask someone, where were you 12 years ago? Can you describe what happened to you 12 years ago? What were the significant events that happened? Well, what if we made it easier? Gave you a year, 2007. Yeah, we didn't... We didn't ask the, um, uh, the, the... Yeah, maybe, whatever, you know. What, so what happened that year? Says, says the Svasamis, how are you going to fix what happened that year? How are you going to keep track? You have to have a log of your life. You have to keep track. He says, the person climbs up, they have to keep remembering. He says, Look at our grandfather Yaakov. He says, when he's standing before Hashem, With my staff, I crossed this Jordan. Everything that happened to him during those 20 years, He didn't forget where he was at that time. Because if you track your life that way, You come to true humility. Because you remember what you were, and the dumb things that you did then. And the place where you were, and you recognize your climb, you recognize that what you've done, and that brings you to a, a good kind of humility. And that's the lesson of Parshas Masay, is that we don't, we don't just live in the moment, even though there's something to it at times, to just live in the moment, but we don't throw away the rest of our, um, the, the, our past, just to live in this moment, but we have to hold on to it, and therefore, he says, a person should keep a log. Simple idea, right? It's not too late. Start today. Mm. That's true. It's true that um, if, if Google will track it for you. So you yeah. go back to your, uh, go back to your location. Your, fake, your and Facebook the, yeah. feed. Right. Okay. Page tough, uh, same, same on page 194. Um, the year is Tough Reish Lamed Tess, which is 1879. This is the land that will fall for you in inheritance. Medrash, the Medrash tells us, Shehera HaKadosh Baruch Hu L'Moshe Rabbeinu Olav HaShalom Dor v'dorshav, Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu each generation and its sages and its um, teachers. But the language of the Torah 
is this is the land that will fall for you in inheritance. Fall for you in inheritance makes sense if you're talking about property that belongs to a father or a mother and then when they leave the world it falls to their children. But here the land isn't really falling to the Jewish people, they're conquering it. So says the Sfasem is an amazing idea which I guess applies to us today as well. The Canaanites never saw a real Eretz Yisrael. They saw Eretz Canaan. It was not Eretz Yisrael. Only by the Jewish people preparing themselves. And the process of their entry... As Yarad Mishamayim Bechinas Eretz Yisrael, the spiritual Eretz Yisrael came down from heaven, the Eretz Yisrael Hagashmi, on top of the physical land. The Canaanites did not live in Eretz Yisrael. It was not Eretz Yisrael, it was Eretz Canaan. When the Jewish people entered, at that point Eretz Yisrael descended onto Eretz Yisrael. We know the Beis Amikdash above corresponds to the Beis Amikdash below. There's an Eretz Yisrael above and Yerushalayim above. So he says an interesting idea. Hashem did not show Moshe the physical land. It's the internal, real Eretz Yisrael. That Hashem showed Moshe. And that's why in that Eretz Yisrael he saw all the future sages of the Jewish people. The Jewish people, they are the boundary that the holiness could spread within it. In other words, like this. I, really bad marshal, but it's the best we have. If I was to try to populate Antarctica, assuming that I could somehow bring some decent weather there, or at least somewhat better than Chicago, what's the first thing I would have to do to put there? Shelter. Now, assuming I've already arranged for, for um, a temperature change, housing, and then... People. No, people can't come yet. What do I need? Food. 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 Keep going. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Wi-Fi. 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 <laughs> 4G. Phone towers. No one is moving there unless there are cell phone towers. Electricity, water. Yeah, forget this. The only reason why you need electricity is to charge the phone. Wi-Fi. But... but Solar power. <laughs> well, six months of the year you can use solar, solar energy. Uh, the, but it's interesting that until you lay down those towers, these instruments that we live our lives by are useless. He wants to suggest that Eretz Yisrael can only receive the Kedusha when the towers of Kedusha are there, and we are those towers of Kedusha. So Eretz Yisrael is unable to receive what? There's nothing without Jews. Right. It isn't anything. It's spiritually dead unless you plant those towers. He says, 
the Jewish people, we are the Gevulim, we are those boundaries, that the holiness should be able to spread throughout the land. But you can't just put anywhere. You've got to put the right towers in the right places. So when the 12 tribes each go into their boundaries, then the land itself will fall from heaven onto the place which is currently Eretz Canaan. That's like the coverage of the towers. That's right. right. But you can have what's called, uh, you can have what's called a jammer, something that jams the signals so that there can be no cell coverage. He says, Knanites are Kedusha jammers. He says, God commands us, don't leave any of them in the land. The spiritual land can't tolerate them. That's why it's going to spit them out. Because they're repelled by the land. Which is why we have to get rid of them. So he says, as much as that's true of the land of Israel, that's also true of each individual Jew. This is true of every individual Jew, Gamkein too. In order for you to receive spirituality, you too have to prepare yourself and make yourself be able to receive the Torah. Then you become an antenna to be able to receive the holiness. That the holiness dwells within our intestines, meaning that we are receivers for this holiness, which is why every Jew is fitting for prophecy. When we are... When we, our inside. when we're in Eretz Israel, you can only be a prophet if you're in Eretz Israel, because we are these towers, assuming that we're in a place, and as long as we don't have the Canaanites, and so within us, we can't have within us these attributes of the Canaanites, because that jams the Kedushim and being able to enter into us too. But that's why the Torah says the land which will fall for you, meaning will descend from heaven. Yes. It's still not, it's still Eretz Canaan. It's still Eretz Canaan. That's right. That's right. That's what the Svaz Amos is suggesting. It only becomes Eretz Israel at that time. Which is interesting because we talked about this yesterday that it had to be this way because if Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov had actual land, then you couldn't have counted the 400 years from the birth of Yitzchak. Because they had to be strangers in the land, not theirs. So it, it turns out that you couldn't have the land be called Eretz Israel because then we would have to have been a full 400 years in Egypt. So, so as as we spread, and the fact the fact is, we did have prophecy because even though we left a lot of Canaanites, we were struggling. But wherever we did conquer, that's what we just didn't get everywhere. No, no. They, what they did was they they extended coverage the other direction. They pulled out Eretz Yisrael into Transjordan. Right. It's all about Wi-Fi. Right. Okay.
Can you hear me now? I'm laughing now. No. Okay. Now I understand why AT&T must have Canaanite. Right, right. But that's what the problem That Moshe Rabbeinu, he wanted to see Eretz Yisrael. Hashem said, I'll just show you over the horizon. Over the horizon. That's good. Yes. Uh, it could be that once you've got a majority of the Jewish people on the land, I don't know what happens, but we're not there yet. Okay, okay. page 198. That's a good analogy. Okay, on the right side, this is the year is Tafresh Memches, 1888. The the Medrash tells us, Moshe Rabbeinu Allah Vashalom Tikein Birchas Hazan Kishinichnusu La'aretz Tiknu Ala Aretz V'Al Hamazan The first bracha of benching. Page 198. Are you in the right book? Yes. Yeah. All right then, the Medrash. Yeah. You got to follow the uh, instructions. No Wi-Fi. We had no problem. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay. Um, so the Medrash tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu, when the man fell, the Jew, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the first bracha of benching. This is why the first bracha of benching is a biblical obligation. When we entered into Eretz Yisrael, then we added the second bracha of benching, Allah Aretz Allah Moza. Many people confuse. They think that No Delacha and the, um, the Al Hakol are two separate things. They're one thing is just because in the benchers you would insert alanisim, which is the same reason why people think that modem and the alkulam are separate brachas. That's one bracha. The second bracha of benching is ala aretz ala because there's nothing as precious as Eretz Yisrael, which means the Medrash seems to take that the second bracha of benching is somehow more important to Hashem than the first bracha of benching. So Ha'inyan, the explanation is like this. When the Jewish people receive the man, that's bread coming down from heaven. Which is what Moshe Rabbeinu is. As we all know, the man came down to us in the merit of Moshe. Because Moshe brings down the spiritual man as well, that's the Torah coming down from heaven. That's the drawing down of the spiritual influence from Hashem, who birchas hazan, that's the first bracha of benching. The first bracha of benching is what comes down from heaven to you. That's the man which comes to you in your lifetime, that is the Torah that comes down from heaven, that's everything which Hashem gives to us. Aval Eretz Yisrael, who beginas hakabbalah. Eretz Yisrael represents us as the recipients. That's us preparing ourselves to receive. We receive the influence from heaven. But we use it to turn it into the blessing of the land. Which is the vessel to receive that blessing. Meaning like this. What's the difference between man and the bread which grows in Eretz Yisrael? is that the man, the bread comes down ready to be eaten. 
In Eretz Yisrael, Hashem sends the rain. And then we have to use that rain to plant and to work the land. And then from it grows the bread through our efforts. Which means we channel what Hashem receives and we become the vessels, what Hashem gives, and we become the vessels to receive it and turn that into something. That is a different kind of blessing. That's a blessing where we are now um, working on things. Not what comes down from um, above, but what we are bringing up from below. That's Eretz Yisrael. And that's the difference between the man, which is what he calls Lechem in Hashemayim, and Eretz Yisrael, which is Lechem in Haaretz. Bezeh Shekasu, that's what it says. Ki atem baim ala Haaretz. Um, you are coming to the, to the land. Ki Eretz Yisrael, he klala Eretz. He says, um, Eretz Yisrael is really the land in general. Eretz Yisrael represents all of the land in the world. Ki Hashem Yisbarach bara Hashemayim v'ha'aretz. Hashem, the first thing Hashem created is heaven and earth. Which means that there's as much holiness in the earth as there is in the heaven. But, what does it say the next passage in the Torah? was covered by darkness. So Hashem created heaven and earth and they were equal. They both had the same amount of holiness. Except the holiness in heaven remained revealed while the holiness on the earth became concealed. When the Jewish people enter into Eretz Yisrael, the Jewish people uncovered the darkness from one place on earth. As it says, God's eyes are constantly over it, meaning it no longer is covered in this darkness of the emptiness of creation. Because when you combine the Jewish people and Eretz Yisrael, we become the vessel to receive the blessing. So get this, God created heaven and earth, everything was equal holiness, and then God covered the earth, that's how the Torah begins. And how does the Torah end? The Jewish people are about to enter into Eretz Yisrael and uncover that holiness once more. So only in Eretz Yisrael can we properly receive the holiness coming down from heaven. He says, this is the difference. Man represents just receiving from heaven. It's above what we deserve. That's why they couldn't name it. They couldn't name it because they couldn't fathom that kind of spiritual holiness that's coming down to us without us being prepared. If all of a sudden someone downloaded into your mind right now the entire Zohar, you go crazy. Yeah, you go mad. Because, I mean, some of you are experts in the Zohar, maybe, but the ones of you that aren't, all this information, it's overwhelming and impossible to comprehend. And it would just, and, and that's what happens when you receive the man. The Jewish people said, "What is this?" They couldn't connect to it. And that's why we say, 
When you are receiving from someone else, when you're eating what's not yours, you're embarrassed to look upon him. This is the, the, this is derived from the nature of certain plants that when they receive from another plant, they kind of turn in the other direction in shame. This is why the letter Gimel and the letter Dalad, when they're next to each other, the Gimel is Gomel, the giver, and Dal is the poor man, and the Dalad, its face is facing away from the Gimel because it's embarrassed, even though the back of the Dalad has a hand that goes back to receive, it's ashamed of what it's receiving. This concept is why Hashem created the world and everyone knows this, in order to give good to us, so Hashem should just put us all in the Garden of Eden and we'll live happily ever after. But it couldn't be that way. No, but even there, there was a system of reward and punishment. Hashem had to create a system of reward and punishment, which is where things broke again. But there has to be, because if Hashem would just create us and give us all this good, we couldn't face Hashem, because we're receiving what we don't deserve. So Hashem had to create a system where we work for it. And as a result of that, unfortunately, the majority of people end up in hell and, and suffering because of it. Nevertheless, it's worth it that for the people who do receive the good, they receive a true good. And we can actually face Hashem and say, here's what I did and here's what I want to receive. He says, the Jewish people, and this is why they have problems with the man, because it's shameful, what do we call it, shameful? Bread. Shameful bread. Right? It's actually shameful bread because we're receiving beyond what our minds can comprehend. And we couldn't handle it. And so we couldn't face Hashem. Abel Eretz Yisrael is not like that. Eretz Yisrael is the place where we can perform the Torah, where we can do mitzvahs. Eretz Yisrael is the place where we perform mitzvahs and receive reward without shameful bread. Hashem wants that so much more. That's why it says, Tipo lochem, it will fall to you. It is deserving for you. That you should have actual merit. That you should be ready to receive. As we mentioned before, he's learning that um, the, uh, the gift of Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael is for us to be able to receive influence that we are entitled to. Eretz Yisrael is the platform by which we become the recipients of of the light through our efforts. So even though we're in in Chutzlaris right now, and we are unable to perform the mitzvahs in the same way, it's not, we're able to do all the mitzvahs, we're obligated in all the mitzvahs, but it's not the same, therefore we are unable to access that same level of Kedusha. But when we will return to Eretz Yisrael, at that point we will once again be able to not be just receiving man, which is this undeserved gifts that we're being showered with, which causes us to hide our faces in shame. Rather, we will be able to um, get what we deserve. Now, I wanted to, next week... That's why they call the man the bread of embarrassment. Right, because it's called man. What is this? Meaning... We don't comprehend this. This is too much for us. Right. So what is it? Chuslars we consider the beginning month right now? Uh, we're not working a lot? We, on some level. On some level because we're not, we're not, we haven't truly earned, um, um, we're not truly performing the mitzvahs in, their, in the best way to be able to receive all the Kedusha. So everything besides Eretz Yisrael is still covered in this darkness. It's only when the Jews entered into Eretz Israel we uncovered this one spot where we can receive and do the mitzvahs and, and when we're in exile we don't have that. When does it become that the whole world becomes uncovered again? When all the Jews are in Eretz Israel? Uh, Mashiach, maybe. 
Okay, we, uh, um, yes. No, spiritually speaking, because the right. fruits were right. huge. What? The fruits were huge, and the grapes were great. Yeah. Physically, she's talking about spiritually, it was a desert. Oh, no. Even then, in the days of Abraham, it wasn't. It was, still was not a very fertile land. Abraham arrives, there's a famine in the land. Right? It's, it's a, it's, um, even, even Yitzchak plants, he has. What happens is, when the Jews leave Egypt, Eretz Yisrael already starts to give forth fruits because they were supposed to arrive a few days later. With, uh, and when the land is supposed to be filled, it's supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. And that's why they come into the land and they saw, see all these giant fruits that was Eretz Yisrael preparing itself for their arrival. But in the days of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, we don't find signs of the land being exceptionally fertile. So He doesn't say that, but okay. So, because we're not going to have class next week, and it's in Parsha's Devarim that he discusses a number of Tishabov points, so we're going to um, go there. So, if you look, if you move to Sefer Devarim on page two, page two on the right side, in the middle of the page, Kol Dor She'ena Nivne Beyamov. Any generation that the Beis Hamikdash is not rebuilt in its days, ki'ilu nechrav biyamav. It is as if it was destroyed in their days. A very famous concept that everyone discusses. Why am I mourning the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash? Oh, you, my ancestors, who ruined it for everyone. That's not the case. Each of us is as guilty as any of them, because if we were to fix ourselves, then the Beis Hamikdash would be rebuilt. Which is why we consider all those who failed to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash, to be the same as the ones who destroyed it. He says, Kashalav, and I find this idea very difficult. Shoyahar Bedoros. There were so many generations. Tzadike al that had so many righteous people. Shenomar, would I say, that it was deserving to be destroyed in their days? How could it be? Think of any great tzaddik. That tzaddik is responsible for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. The Chafetz Chaim is responsible for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. The Arizal is responsible for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. How could you say such a thing? All one body. Hmm? We're all one body. Still, still, he says, I, I can't. Therefore, I want to suggest, that this is the way it works. Mitzdarfin join together. Umiskansin kolha ha'aris. You need the collection of all the lights. Shalavodas b'nei Yisrael of the service of the Jewish people. Lias ruuyin legeula to deserve the redemption. It is not that any one single generation is going to fix things. Ki hayala aladas. Does it really occur to you? Shedor hagoula that the generation of the redemption. They're somehow going to be magically deserving of redemption. Things are not getting better. You're not going to have, and this is what he's describing, all of a sudden, this reversal 
And all these Jews, before the redemption comes, all these Jews decide that everyone's coming back and everyone's going to start keeping Judaism. We're working on individuals. But we are leaking and we are... I say, I don't, it's hard to say if, if we're leaking or if we're taking on water or both. Whichever metaphor fits better. But we are struggling. And it's only getting, each generation is only getting progressively and unfortunately on some level exponentially as well worse. Rather, Rak, Shizuchus, Kaldor, Vador, Ozer, every generation helps. Umevi Ma'at, Binyan Beis Amigdash, and brings a little bit of the building of the Beis Amigdash. Binyan Nimshach, Kol Yemei Hagalus, the building of the Beis Amigdash takes the duration of the entire exile, Kemaimar. It doesn't say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Yivne Yerushalayim, Barachamav, Bone Yerushalayim. Hashem is always building Yerushalayim. That's what it says. Every generation that doesn't add bricks, it's as if they destroyed the base of Mikdash. It means any generation that doesn't have what to add to the building of the base of Mikdash, they're the ones who destroyed it. So he says, so okay, fine. You know, I'm assuming every generation has someone. He says, that's not what happens here. That's not the way you should look at it. Every individual person. Gamkein Sarach Leda has to know. Shikol Masav, every action you do either adds or breaks. So you are Labinian Labesa Mikdash, the building of the Besa Mikdash. So the best way to build the Besa Mikdash. What's the number one thing that you can focus on? Yourself. Oh, which element? You're a better person. A better person. That's, that's got to be more. So he suggests, this is what he says, when we accept upon ourselves the yoke of the sovereignty of heaven, meaning we accept Hashem as our king, that's what helps the building of the Beis HaMikdash. I would not have gone here. I would have started listing different mitzvahs that I thought that would be connected to maybe mitzvahs that are related to building, you know, maybe mitzvahs that are relating to building people. But he says, it's specifically Kabbalah's Machal Shemayin Melech. He says, because since it's the building of the king, it's actually the acceptance of the sovereignty of the king, which is the building of the Beis Amikdash. Which would mean, according to the Svasemis, Hoping to get one more in, we'll see. Um, according to the Svasamis, the building of the Beis Hamikdash happens when each of us does mitzvahs, but but specifically by the recognition of I am the servant of Hashem, and Hashem is my king. And um, the time that we express that the most is every day when we recite Shema Yisrael twice a day. Shema Yisrael in the morning and in the evening, and we call that Kabbalah's Olmachul Shemaim, where we accept Hashem as our king. He says that it's the Shema, which, or the Kabbalah's Olmachul Shemaim, which is the building blocks of the Beis Hamikdash. And the truth is, you'll say, well, how could that be? But along with that comes, um, along with that comes 
uh, the performance of mitzvahs on a whole different level. So I, what I would suggest, according to the Sfas Emes, and uh, I really want to get to one more, but I don't think we'll be able to do it. Um, according to the Sfas Emes, would be that during the nine days, there would be an emphasis on every time you do a mitzvah, to add to the words, because I want to be, to add words, because I want to be mekabel all machal shemayim. So every time you do a mitzvah, you give tzedakah, I'm giving tzedakah because Hashem is my king. I'm going to daven now because Hashem is my king. I'm going to put tefillin on because Hashem is my king. I'm going to recite Shema, obviously, otherwise you're not really reciting Shema. But even I'm going to do, I'm going to eat this meal, I'm going to, whatever you're doing, should all be Kabbalah's Omachos Shemaim, and maybe all of us can add as many bricks to the base of Mikdash as we can. We'll leave it uh, here. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.